We should be drinking sake, but we're not. Some sake bombs! Is that like racially insensitive? Yes. Do you think? I thought it as soon as you, you did think, that, I was like, this is Do you is think just they drink sake bombs in Japan, or is that just something like drunk Americans? Drunk Americans. Go to sushi bars and are yes. just like, sake bomb, sake yeah. bomb, sake bomb. I'm sure that it's all American influence. And these honorable men who are making this beautiful art that is sushi are just like, these motherfuckers. Admire your luck, Mr. Bond. My name's Bond. James Bond. Thank you, Mr. Bond. Name's Bond. James Bond. So, Scott, ready to bond? Absolutely. We're going to do some bonding here? Over a shitty movie. (laughs) I mean... It wasn't it wasn't shitty. I, that's being harsh. It's one way to look at it, I guess. Not the best. Sure, sure. So, are you drinking anything? I'm drinking a rum Collins. So a little kind of like a Left, hangover, leftover from Thunderball. From Thunderball. And I'm having a, a beer, another beer, because he has one. So, cheers, cheers. Or as they say in Japan, stop trying to speak Japanese, motherfuckers. novel and the fifth Bond film. Released in 1967, two years after Thunderball, it once again stars Sir Sean Connery. 0013 So I drew the Sort or the short straw, as they say. So I'll be going first for the double thirty. So whenever you're ready, right. count you in like normal. Count me in, and then I'm gonna go. Okay. <clears throat> Three, two, one. What the fuck is the plot of this movie? You can ring the bell. Cause that's uh, that's my summary of. I kid, I kid. I kind of do have a summary, but that's how I felt. Yeah. And I wanted to make it very apparent yeah. that I'm watching this film, I was like, what the fuck is going on again? I can't wait to read mine. This, we're on the same page. All right. So I'll do my official official one, but I just wanted my sentiments to be felt there. So whenever you. you're ready. All right. <clears throat> Counting you in again. Okay. Three, two, one. Jupiter-16 is swallowed by a mysterious spacecraft. Bond is killed, or is he? The USSR and the USA are threatening war, and by six plays it cool and has a different theory. 007 is sent to Japan. His contact Henderson is killed in front of Bond. Osiodo Chemicals might be to blame. And then, 
It just gets convoluted from there. There's a tiny helicopter, a fake marriage, a volcano lair, and finally we meet Blowfield, who escapes, question mark? And another movie with Bond alone with a woman out in water. In short, Spectre was using Osada chemicals to create war between the USSR and the USA. You need to just literally buy an A. I, I, I just think... To... No, you, I, I actually was a little long in the buzzer. Okay. You're almost at 31 seconds by the time no, I hit the not. buzzer. That's... Just solid. You jam-packed the information in there. Just Thank a little, you. A little long. Thank you. <clears throat> so, how are you feeling about this one, Scott? Uh, not very good. Let's okay. see. Okay, we'll I'm ready. <clears throat> All right, producer. Bell time. Three. Rest in peace, Commander Bond. Bond is killed again in the opening sequence, this time to ditch some heat. Turns out someone is screwing with the U.S. space program again, and we think it's the Soviets? Did no one see Dr. No? Long story short, because I can't make this shit up, Spectre Number 1, Ernst Stavro Blofeld, has built a rocket base in a volcano in Japan with a tractable roof. He is capturing U.S. and Soviet space capsules with a larger Spectre space capsule in an attempt to get the West to attack the East. Bond turns Japanese to blend with a group of ninjas, attacks the volcano, and prevents World War III. Blofeld escapes via monorail and blows up the volcano. I guess not all movies can be near this. Be near the top of the list. Fuck! Could have made that. So close. I could have made that. I think we're in the same. We kind of had it, but we just were a little off. I do love. I do love this line because I can't make this shit up. <laughs> I think that was your equivalent of my joke mm-hmm. of just saying, "What the fuck is the plot of this movie?" Yeah, that's that's when you, as soon as you said that, that's the line I thought of. So uh, loose ends. I'm gonna give you. A, I'm gonna say a few things. We're gonna play some word uh, association okay. as, as they as they will. I'm gonna say a few things, and I want you to tell me the first thing that pops in your head. Okay, so here we go. Here's my list: Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the BFG, Matilda, James and the Giant Peach. That's all rolled doll. I, I, I know he did Charlie and Cho- Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You're absolutely right. And I know Be he confident. did a screenplay. Be confident for. Uh, you only live twice, and that's. Would you have ever imagined yeah. that a children's novelist would have written the screenplay to a James Bond film? I would not, and I know I remember from the extra features. You know, you know my my studying for these podcasts. This was his first time at screenwriting, and I know I know he was very nervous about it. But no, I would not. I they don't. That's like forcing it, and I don't know a lot of those other. Stories you talk. Seeing the final result, he should have been nervous about yeah. it. <laughs> but I think when you put it into that context of a children's novelist mm-hmm. is writing this film, and then you try to watch it. Here's my challenge to the listeners, and maybe we do a follow-up uh, odd job on this. Mm-hmm. Watch this movie from the perspective of a child. And then think to yourself, how fucking awesome is this? You can build a helicopter out of a box? Yeah. You can hide a layer in a volcano? Yeah. Great stuff, by the way. The villain actually looks like what a child would think a villain would look like? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's that perspective, if you bring to You Only Live Twice, where you're like, yeah, ninjas? It's a great movie. This is wonderful. Yeah. But as an adult, much like childhood fantasies and childhood dreams, you realize it's all bullshit. It's a dream crusher right there. <laughs> yeah, have you ever watched a movie that you loved as a kid and hated it as an adult? Yeah, yeah. that happens. Mm-hmm. There's also the theory of if there's a movie you didn't watch as a child, 
mm-hmm. you should wait to watch it until you have a child uh-huh. because then you watch it through their lens, which is why, and I'll admit here deep into our fifth podcast, mm-hmm. I've never seen Goonies. Woo, it was and on I'm, last night. But and I'm waiting. Yeah. I'll either watch it with my own child or when Luke gets <laughs> to a certain age. Mm-hmm. I'll watch it. I'll come over and watch it. We have it on DVD, so we don't have to wait for... That's good. And now my favorite segment, and where Scott tries to sell us a Bond film and fails. Scott, Bond for the non-Bond. Why should they see this film? Ken Adam, the set uh, designer for all the James Bond films, Uh spent a million dollars. He spent more on this set than they did for Dr. No. Exactly. On the Volcano Lair. So watch it for the volcano layer. Yep. It has an unnecessary monorail. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, here's my sales pitch. I, are mine, are, am I getting better, at least? You're getting a little better. Okay. That was a good... That's interesting. I'm interested in the mm-hmm. volcano layer. Mm-hmm. I have to wait 90 plus minutes of craziness <laughs> to get there. It's true. But I, I'm intrigued. You've intrigued me. Okay. Which is better. Here's my sales Teach pitch. Oh, wise one. Okay. So somebody comes up, they're like, oh, I've never seen a James Bond film. Why mm-hmm. should I see You Only Love Twice? Mm-hmm. And then I say, don't. And then I walk away. <laughs> <laughs> so you like that? Good sales pitch? This is great. Don't go. Don't. Just don't. Money. Although, in all 100% complete seriousness, uh, if you want Austin Powers, if you want it to completely sink in, yep. you kind of have to watch You Only Live Twice. Otherwise, you're just you're you're not really getting at what you're laughing at. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not really my my sales pitch is still officially don't. don't. That would be unless be drunk or you something. know if you're if you're listening to this podcast you're a James Bond completist you're a yeah. fan then yes but you know this Put is the time in. this is we're saying Bond to the Bond film because what you don't want to do is make the mistake that I did and you're sitting with your wonderful girlfriend and she says oh like I I know you're doing this podcast and I'm excited for you and I want to see one of these Bond films and Ooh. I said no 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 don't. no not this one yeah not this one. Please, yeah, we'll rewatch another one because you're gonna think this is horrible. This is gonna be tainted from here on out, right? The distinguished debauchery of 007. I wouldn't go as far as calling you a cold-hearted bastard, but it wouldn't be a stretch to imagine. Then you'll also know that in poker you never play your hand. You play the man across from you. By the cut of your suit, you went to Oxford or wherever. Naturally, think human beings dress like that. But you were it with such disdain. Since MI6 looks for maladjusted young men, I give little thought to sacrificing others in order to protect Queen and country. Beautiful. Every now and then, a trigger has to be pulled. Or not fault. It's hard to know which in your pajamas. Q. 007. You think of women as disposable pleasures rather than meaningful pursuits. Martinis. Rank on the scale of zero to five olives. I had for the martinis segment three olives. Okay. And there's. Hey. There, there were some parts I really enjoyed with Henderson. Uh. Saying stirred, not shaken. That's correct, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah that they made that was a good line. Um, it, you know, there were a couple of nice tidbits, but it was not an excessive amount of drinking. How about you? Where were you at? <clears throat> this is, I don't know if I'm breaking the rules. The producers can decide this later. 
I have it at four olives dropping to zero. And here's how this is how it works. Is he starts super strong and like the first twenty to maybe thirty minutes of the film, he pounds back the martini, stirred, not shaken. Is that right? That's right. <laughs> the Japanese vodka. A Siamese vodka. Uh sake times two. Another vodka. At ninety eight point four degrees. Dom Perignon 59, which you can't resist because it's a 59, and a beer, and then just stops drinking for a good portion of the film. But there's a, there's a while that he's just like, he's just pounding, 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 uh, getting a lot of drink in, and then nothing. So that's why I have a four slipping to a zero for me, which I don't even know is allowed. We'll look at the rule books, but uh, who cares? As if there's really strong rules here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Casino Royale. Rank from lowest poker hand to highest. Do we do we really even need to have this discussion? It's a high card. There was no gambling in the film at all. Which is a fault. Or do you want me to say James Bond was gambling with his life? I mean, if you can make a coherent argument instead of mocking me, because I did. <laughs> I made a great argument. You can go back and listen Goldfinger. Uh, to Goldfinger on that. I don't think at any point... I think it was a pretty good argument. So. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to stick with high card. and you're going to uh, I'm going to stick with my fold. traditional fold... Yep. Turnbull and Asser rank from zero to five cufflinks. One cufflink. I agree. We're on the same page. Horrible. Just nothing caught my eye. No. Nothing stood out, and that's not an insult to the the wonderful traditional uh, garb or costume. Doesn't seem like the appropriate word. What's the appropriate word I want to use? Attire. Attire. The traditional attire of the Japanese culture. Mm -hmm. Nothing against that. It's just nothing caught my eye. And, you know, I think to me, this gold, the literally, the gold bear is Goldfinger. And so mm-hmm. I looked at Goldfinger, and it's, we're not even close to that realm. You know, so one, one cufflink for me. Aston Martin, rank from 1 to 500 horsepower. I'm at 300 horsepower for this, okay. this film. Uh, Little Nelly was the shining star. I know it wasn't the quote-unquote vehicle of the movie the the toyota was the white toyota i mean little i might for an official argument i would hear would agree with that i would hear that little nelly might be a warm more worthy representative yeah did it's he even, used did predominantly he, the toyota? he did and i'll i'll say so i gave it 200 mm-hmm. only for the sake that the toyota uh 2000 gt is not a bad car mm-hmm. however I have issue with that. I get that you're in Japan, so you use Toyota, but they had to cut the roof off of the car. The Toyota uh, 2000 GT does not come in a convertible model. They had to cut the roof off because Sean Connery is like six foot two and couldn't fit in the and that version of the car. So the, I take issue with that. Um, but the little Nelly, she was used predominantly in the advertising and posters mm-hmm. of this film. So I, I, if you wanted to make an argument that that was the vehicle, uh, I would I would listen to that. It's the only reason I, I would, gave it two hundred. I would like to do some research Nelly. to see what other Bond fans have labeled as the car. The, to, the car of the movie is, is, the is the Toyota two thousand. Probably the same people that say the Bentley Mark Five uh, was the car for Much with Love. So people who are right. Q Branch. Rank from zero to five Qs. I've got this pretty low, and all of the credit is coming. Uh, You're a two, crazy person. Two Qs for Little Nelly. Um, I'm drawing a blank on what other weapons, special weapons he got. I because I Q, give it Q reports on scene, and no, he deli- no with his father. That's right. Uh, yeah, Major Bruce shows Roy up. Shows up. 
he shows up. So I, I have it at five gross cues. Really? Exactly. Nelly, mm-hmm. which you're going to have to talk about this more than me, but I saw Nelly constructed and I said to myself, this helicopter can't do the shit that it's doing. It's not a helicopter. Thank you. That explains a lot. The shooting cigarette, ah, which yeah. uh, it seems like a cool idea. Again, if you're a child, if you're a child, you're watching this movie like, yeah, that, that would work. However, I kind of have a small understanding how ballistics and explosions <laughs> work. James Bond would not have a, a hand. His hand would cease to exist if that cigarette was, uh, if it did what it did. It would also explode and they would need to, they would, yeah, just not good. Um, and then I also knocked it down a peg because this is re- weak writing from one script writer to another, Raul Dahl. Uh, you don't need all the comments of smoking kills you. Oh yeah. To set up the fact that you're going to have a smoking a cigarette as mm-hmm. a weapon, and then finally the safe cracker, which I knocked him for because really he randomly just had that on him when he goes to the the headquarters. Uh, so I just think I think the Q things. You know, last podcast you talked about the tipping point, mm-hmm. and we kind of agreed. We're coming we, down. We, slight disagreement, but it was like. I had him at the precipice. You had him a little over. Mm-hmm. You only live twice. It, he is tumbling. Falling. They are tumbling. Falling. It's on the other side of that. License to kill. Rank from zero to seven rounds. I'm trying to re- re-baseline myself. Um, I've been heavy-handed in this category. You think you've been kind of high on it? I have been high, you know. I've been counting death totals. Counting. I, think, I think you've been doing it uh, quantitatively, one mm-hmm. might say. Yep, and there's definitely been some bloodbaths, and mm-hmm. there will be a lot more memory serves me. I've got this at a three round. Okay. I have it as at, as a seven. Woo! And uh, maybe I need to recalibrate myself. Yeah, I think myself. you need to, based on... Um, I, I had it as at nine official solo kills. Unlike, you know, some of the other, the underwater scene in Thunderball, there might be some assists, the gypsy scene, and um, you own, and uh, From Russia With Love... Uh, I wrote down. I wrote down this, and and then so even ten. I'll write. uh, This is what I wrote down. Uh, James Bond doesn't fuck around in this one. (laughs) You think his kills are to the point? They're serious. They're on point. He's doing them by himself. He is the James Bond uh, as a as a killer that I think everyone remembers him as. When the uh, Chinook picks up the car with the three henchmen, did you give those kills to James Bond? I don't think so. No? No. My math may be off. It could be. We'll see. Finally, the quote, Bond girls, end quote, rank from zero to five suffragettes. Uh, In the Bond girl category, I'm going to go low again. I'm kind of like center of the map here, you know, but this is never my strong suit. Mm. Um, You're making this up on the spot. I'm, no, I'm just looking at my notes and I'm, I'm questioning what I have down there. I like Miss Grant, number eleven. Uh huh. Aki was okay until she got killed. Uh-huh. Uh And the thing that st- sticks out as most insulting to me was when Tanaka talks about uh, the woman that he's going to marry has a, a face like a pig. Mm. So I think that's worthy of two and a half. I'm going to go down the middle on that one. I have it at five. I, I, please, please explain. I just think this movie is a, a is sexist from beginning to end, and I think oh, 
Oh, the, I'm sorry. I, I, we, as soon as you said this, I'm starting to think of other things. The whole bathing scene with Tanaka and the yeah, and the I girls. think it's, it's very sexiful. Place yourself entirely in their hands, my dear born son. Rule number one is never do anything for yourself when someone else can do it for you. And number two? Rule number two, in Japan, men always come first. Women come second. I might just retire to here. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think it was this kind of mindset. is like, oh, we're in Japan. We're going to exploit the male chauvinist culture yeah. that Japan has. And I think it was a very Western perspective on Asian culture. And it was completely misdone. In the book, uh, Ian Fleming spends an insurmountable amount of time explaining Japanese culture with a lot of respect and reverence. And in the movie, it's just like, oh, we're here, so we're gonna do, we're gonna, we're gonna be able to have James Bond in these situations where That's he's right. bad by or bathed, excuse me, by five or six women. And and I thought it was insulting to a beautiful culture. Welcome to Bonding Over Bond, running rankings. Cars. I have the car in the bottom third, honestly. I think this is, for me, the first car that's going to fall into that last eight. Um, I think it's stupid that it had to be modified and it was just a marketing ploy, which yeah, maybe the villains should have used. Maybe some of the Japanese character should have used the Toyota 2000 GT, which I would have liked better, and maybe give James a British car uh, to stand out. Because, I mean, Sean Connery, as an actor, he stood out. Because he's six foot two, so I, I even wrote down at one point that man, Sean's a lot taller than all the extras in this film. So maybe his car should have been British, you know, the, this out of out of place British actor in a Japanese culture instead of shoving the Brit into a Japanese car. I get why it's in there, but you know, you know, I, I'm sorry, I'm talking too much. No, you're fine. I mean, I don't really have much. I didn't love it. It's not going to be in the the top for me. Um, and I didn't know the whole modifying, so that actually may drop it. I was going to say the middle third. Okay. Main movie song. Nancy Sinatra. Great. An American, for the first time. Old Blue Eyes' daughter. Great run. Going all the way back to Goldfinger. Goldfinger, uh, Thunderball, and now You Only Live Twice. I love the songs. Just there's I I can go on and on about how much I love this. Didn't these love three. it. Didn't love it. Really? Didn't love it. Okay. Yeah. We all have our opinions. Yeah. There's the song and the opening sequence is just. Well, they're two separate things. Well, the song is just, part of the opening sequence. We're just take. We're judging the song right now. I don't love it. Okay. Bottom third. Okay. Opening sequence. So the opening sequence, I'm not too keen on. The movie opens with a new theme song for the gun barrel sequence. I think it's trash. Uh, the opening sequence I thought was way too long. Yeah. It just dragged and dragged and dragged. Eon Productions, stay out of space. <laughs> I know we're projecting a little bit, and I have my opinions about uh, Moonraker, but, I mean, just... It's 1967. Film has come... You could have done that space sequence better. Spend a little more... A little less money on the volcano, <laughs> and a little more money on that space sequence, and I think it would have gone... It would have gone okay... Um, the title sequence, and you know, it's a bit on the nose. Okay, I get it. We're in Japan. Uh, I get Over it. Over the top. Over the top. Um, it's a nice departure for Maurice Binder. 
who did, you know, he's on, I think, four of the five now. And so it's it's a different style. I like that he's growing. He's, he's taken in the Japanese culture, so I will compliment on that. Uh, the cold open, I, I, I think, really brings it down for me. The title sequence and the song, I'm okay with. I love the song. I'm okay with the title sequence, but the cold open is just horrible. That's probably the thing I like most about all this opening sequence. I guess we're reverse about this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a little bit hokey. All right, they could have spent, like you said, you spent a million dollars. How about you go 950000 Give them a little more money to make mm-hmm. a better rocket mm-hmm. eater. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what you call that. The, uh, the 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 larger Spectre capsule. I mean, yeah. Uh, the whole uh, just phone NBC and be like, "Hey, the Star Trek series seems to be going great. How do you how do you shoot that? I mean, just that whoosh, whoo! How do you guys do that? I mean, they were kind of factual though with the Gemini the Gemini uh, capsule and the two guys and the EVA that was happening. Yeah, the, that was kind of cool. And the fact that they cut his umbilical cord uh, out there, but. Uh, and he was floating away. But I, I was just not a fan of the opening sequence outside of the cold opening whatsoever. Okay. The villain. We finally get to see, and this is a little disappointing, the cat doesn't run Spectre after all these films. <laughs> it's been a personal little inside running joke. If you go back, for all our listeners here, go back and watch the beginning films, and every time you see uh, Blofeld... It's the camera's always shot from the perspective of the cat, mm-hmm. and you can only like it's hiding the face as if the cat is like, motherfuckers, I run Spectre. Mm-hmm. This guy's just here to carry me. me. You listen to me. I just don't have arms, so I can't. I can't press the buttons to kill you guys. I know you're taking my money. So, little kind of little letdown that the cat's not running yet. But let me tell you something: that non-blinking mm-hmm. that he does, creepy as fuck. <laughs> In short, I'm going to rank it pretty high because it's a big reveal. James Bond, allow me to introduce myself. I am Ernst Stavro Blofeld. They told me you were assassinated in Hong Kong. Yes, this is my second life. You only live twice, Mr. Bond. Yes, I think that's... I was happy with it. Yeah. I, and are you familiar with some of Donald Pleasant's other work? The, the guy that plays Blofeld? I'm not. He was in like one of my favorite movies, Great Escape. It was just a total. It, I didn't. Oh really? I don't recognize him from. Yeah, the he Great was Escape. the the uh, forger or the uh, yeah the forger, the guy. No shit. The guy that uh, loses his eyesight uh-huh. and is in the airplane with yeah. one of the other guys. Yeah. He's that's Donald Pleasant. Huh. Pleasants. I can't remember if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. So how do you rank it? Yeah, high, high up. Um, okay. I'm good. Uh, yeah, top top third easily. Okay. Um, with the other ones, Miss Grant, Hans, and Mr. Soto. Again, I'm very lackluster. I'm going to call them sub tier villains. The henchmen. high the high henchmen. Yeah. They're not even the henchmen. They're the they're middle management, if you will. Hmm. You know. <laughs> so Hans was like. I think in Bond world they're just referred to as henchmen. Now there's the main villain and there's henchmen. So who's the lower dudes below the main henchmen? So like this guy even has a name. So the guy that is just wearing a uniform and pushing a button on, on the volcano set, what is he? Little Henchman. Little Henchman? Yeah. We'll have to work on that. Yeah, we'll have to figure out what the third tier. The actor's portrayal is Bond. James Bond. Sean Connery, much like your excitement for this movie, slipping. And this one, he's phoning it in. Mm-hmm. One would say, kind of how you have been playing with your phone here for uh, part of this. Part of it. I kid, I kid, I kid. But, um... 
The one thing I do like, and I, and I don't know if it was intentional or kind of accident, because Sean Connery is, and, and we talked in the last podcast about how these outside real-life factors are affecting how Sean is approaching the James Bond series. He's had enough at this point. Uh, you know, there was some controversy when he was in Japan. Sean Connery made the comment that he didn't find Japanese women attractive. Woo. So they had to deal with that Woo. while he was acting. Uh, people swarmed the set every day. He couldn't go anywhere in Japan. He was very stressed out. His wife was with him all the time now, right? She was, and she swam because um, the actress who played Kissy Suzuki couldn't swim. So if you actually oh, look, right. you that's actually right. look closely. Uh, you can ding it. I'll, I'll just finish this thought. Um, if you actually look closely, when it's supposed to be uh, Kissy swimming, she has like this uh, like more brunettish hair, mm. and she's clearly like that British British white. I haven't girl. been in the sun <laughs> for a while. That's Sean's wife, who was like trying to vacation with him. Um, um, there, I agree with everything you said about Connery. He's definitely yeah. phoning. However, him. you know what? It, so I was going to say mm-hmm. because of you know how he approached it, James Bond does have this like uber coolness to him, like. The I don't give a fuck, you know, like I give zero fucks yeah. right now, which kind of, you know, James Bond probably does walk around with that aura mm-hmm. and it's probably hard to capture as an actor. And it really took him being in a place where Sean Connery gave zero fucks and mm-hmm. therefore James Bond mm-hmm. had like this attitude that he gave zero fucks. So that was a positive. But other than that, yeah. Who, who, do, you, who do you blame? I blame Broccoli and Schultzman. Saltzman. Schultz, Yeah. This guy's just cash cow, and you just are screwing him. How about a, how about just thank you for doing a great job? Yeah, yeah. We oh, a little bit we're paying you. Then that hundred and forty some odd million we made on Thunderball. Make it rain. And the countless money you made in the previous films. Make it rain. Yeah. He is your franchise. Rank the overall movie. Uh, unfortunately, I think this movie was hurt by the success of Thunderball. It was one of those things in film where they said, you know what, last time this worked, we're going to double down. We're doubling down on the gadgets. We're doubling down on the location. We're just we're doubling down on the plot. And I think You Only Live Twice just fell from the weight of expectations that Thunderball brought onto it. Uh, I like that it's cultural. It's the most cultural film to date. You know, it's not in the West. It is in Japan. But I think it's a, a, a viewed through the lens of the West and not with the respect of the actual Japanese culture. So that really, really bothered me. Mm-hmm. And I can see You Only Live Twice continuing to slip as we watch other films and possibly ending up in that bottom third. Oh, absolutely. I I'm, I'm, think I'm willing to put it there now. Maybe too early to do that. I'll, I'll put it in the middle third right now. Okay. Um, it's just there was a you know, a monorail, piranhas, the whole volcano set for as, you know, ingenious as it was to even get you know for Ken Adam to get the permission from Broccoli and Saltzman to here's a million dollars to build you a set yeah you know that's just redonk you know bonkers, but the whole movie definitely is taking us into the Austin Powers realm of the spy movie genre yeah it just you know not to beat a dead horse there but so what do you so can we both agree just really quickly mm-hmm. this movie's not realistic you know me because I, I hate to give up I hate to give up any sense of realism just a lack of imagination like sure it's not realistic 
for the most part, but could we do these things? How about <laughs> how about I'll say this and you might like this. Mm-hmm. It makes Goldfinger just that, just oh. that much more real. Yeah, I mean the fact that you called Goldfinger trash. Like, what do you call this? Well, From a realism I, standpoint, we, you, you talk about realigning. Like, you yeah. have to realign some you do. of your, you your rankings. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, at that point, Goldfinger number three. Like, hey, you just did From Russia with Love. Like, yeah. come on, are you guys losing track of where you're going here? Mm. And then you now you get to um, you only live twice, and it's like, man, I, I I'm I've I missed the Goldfinger days. Well, I mean, what do you say though about Little Nelly? I mean, Little Nelly was real. I mean, so there's positive things that we can look at that that were. That felt far-fetched, but actually were real. Little Nelly was real. It's a gyrocopter. Mm. And they added, sure, they added the weapons to it. That wasn't real, but... Yeah, but here's, you know, you know, and we all know this. You add weapons to a plane mm-hmm. or an air vehicle, all of a sudden that air vehicle is grounded. It's like, you know, you know what I'm saying? But grounded how? Like, it's too heavy to lift in the yeah, air. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm going to say. So, it, it, there's no free lunch. It's going to be weight, yeah. you know? So you either need to add power or, or whatnot or reduce weight from somewhere else. But uh, and flying qualities and all other stuff, uh, and the fact he, they felt the need to make James Bond Japanese. Oh my God! Yeah, that I was, mean, so I, I I have this in my notes later for the kill part. Uh, I'll I'll just reveal it now because I wanted to kill it. Yeah, Japanese Bond. Dot dot dot. Looks like Spock's outcast <laughs> hairy brother. Absolutely. What are you like doing? Spock. What's going this, on? What is this? This is not Japanese. This is Vulcan. This is a hairy Vulcan you're creating. It was just... He's six foot two. Are you going to saw off like five inches of his height? This is ridiculous. Well, he was slouching. When he got off the boat and was... It was just... It was insulting. It was insulting. It was. It was just very, very insulting. Yeah. Um, Going back in order, like, was there anything you loved about this movie? I I did. Um, New director, and you you, kind of saw where the, the fresh... You know, take the mm. two things I thought he did good as a direct director. The USSR scene had no subtitles, and I like that. Mm-hmm. I, I like that in film when they don't. You don't really. You can pick up on tone by good actors what they're trying to say. And then the fight scene with the bodyguard at Osato Chemicals. Mm-hmm. It had no music, and I feel a lot of times uh, film uses the soundtrack to create tension. Mm-hmm. And I thought this time it was filmed so well that the tension was naturally created by the actors. Mm-hmm. And I loved those two things from a movie perspective. How about you? I loved and hated the fact that they were on space again. Yeah. I just didn't, I didn't love the way they did it, but I, I love that they were, you know, keep in mind, 67, two years from now we're walking on the moon. Yeah. You know, so... It's very it's fascinating. much fascinating. It is, it, you know, when in the middle of the space race, the Cold War, yeah, it's absolutely. You know, again, it's like okay, someone's screwing around and you know trying to get the East versus the West to you know to attack each other. So, I like that. Uh, that's about it. Uh, and then I'll add to hate mm-hmm. the green scenes as slash and the car scenes. I thought were horrible, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's because it was just the experience of the director. Or maybe uh, permits in Japan, but it just it was so fake. Uh, and then you think back to you know that first car chase in Doctor No, that was filmed so well. Yeah. Um, or the Mustang scene in Thunderball that was filmed so well. And then all of it, there was not one car scene 
that the green screen didn't look horrible or just the car scene itself just wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one back thing to, I have a hate for you, but uh, M's office on the sub. I fucking loved it. Yeah. Do you remember that? You're a big fan. You're starting to be a big I'm M a fan. I'm a big here. M fan. Yeah. I, I really am. He's got, he's on a freaking diesel sub in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. And it's still to the nine, you know, oak yep. wall paneling. Brandy station, you know, you know things I didn't love was the whole. Uh, the, when did the British? We got ever to see think, the rank. We got to yes, see we the have rank. to see Bond. Bond's a commander. He is in he his served uniform. in World War Two. Yep. Uh, but the British, when did they ever think shorts were appropriate in a uniform? I don't know. You know, you get the tall socks. But what I hated, this is what I really hated, and I hate it because it's lack of attention to detail. The real world footage they showed of the rocket launching, mm-hmm. the rocket launches, right? They flip flopped them. When they showed the U.S. launching the rocket, right? They showed Soviet footage, footage, okay. or it, it was definitely not the Gemini rocket they used, okay, in real world, okay. And when they they had the alleged the Soviet launch, they right. used footage from. A Gemini space program rocket launch. Maybe that was intentional. No, it was. It was. It was a huge mistake? fuck up. Yeah, I looked at it and I was like, I need to refresh myself on space history. But that was the Soviets launching, and it was a Titan II uh, Gemini launch vehicle shown. So somebody from editing, Ken Adam, not Ken Adam, excuse me. Uh, damn it, I can't remember the editor's name. But it was a it was a mistake. Okay. So I hated that as a space guy. Yeah, an aviation guy. I understand that. And training to be a ninja over the top and too long. Yeah. So that'll be a kill for you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll put it in the kill category. Did you, would you kill anything? I re- I said the Japanese bond. Yeah, that's kill. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. So, uh... Yeah, that's about it. That's good. Yeah, I think, I think that's it. Uh, I think so, too. So, we middle third? For the movie? For now. Middle third for now? I think I already projected that it's going to be... going to be bottom. In the bottom eight. I think I'm, I think so. I think I'm there with you. You... for us here at Bonding Over Bond is the highly debated On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Download all our podcasts on iTunes. Tell every single Bond fan you know. Just put it on Everyone. blast. Everyone. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bonding Over Bond. Like our Bonding Over Bond Facebook page. Send us some emails. We really do want to foster this community of bonding. All the emails. All of them. So let's go ahead and get a mailbag segment going. Mailbag! (laughs) Talk to us. Email us at bondingoverbond at gmail.com. And of course, head over to www.freerevolt.blogspot.com where you can click on the Bonding Over Bond tab for more content, content, trivia, corrections, and news. Remember, most people YOLO. Sean Connery is James Bond. And he YOLO'd twice, literally, on several different levels. Thank you for bonding with us here at Bonding Over Bond. Until next time, shake it. Don't stir it. Don't think of the day.
Komodos? I'm curious here. Disregard. <laughs> I just noticed these are my notes from Thunderball Stole. I never filled in the information. <laughs> <laughs>